It's kind of an odd passage to preach on on Palm Sunday, but I hope and I pray that uh, you'll understand why I picked it after uh, the hearing. And so I'll read it for us, and please, uh, if you could be attentive to the reading of God's word. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. If you could join me in prayer before we begin. Father God, thank you so much for your word, your word that illumines your word that reveals your will for us and our lives, your word that has guided us into all manner of salvation, that you have saved us from the grips of sin and death, and that you have invited us and you have brought us into a life of holiness and longing after you. And so, Father God, as we hear this word today on this Palm Sunday, on a day on which we celebrate and recognize your kingship and your majesty, I pray that upon reflection of your baptism, that we would be made more and more like you and made more and more into worshipers who say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. What does your baptism mean for you today? What does your, what does your baptism mean for you? Baptism's a major element of the Great Commission. If you know the Great Commission, Jesus tells his disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not simply make disciples, but to baptize. It's one of the two great sacraments of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. It is a sign and seal of faith for all those in the covenant with the family of God. And so I ask again, what does your baptism mean for you today? Does it mean anything at all? If you haven't thought about your baptism in the past week or in the past month or even in the past year, I think we can be encouraged because you're probably not alone. One of the greatest but most common mistakes a Christian can make is thinking that their baptism has nothing to do with their present faith. Baptism, after all, is something that happened in the past. Baptism is something that happened to me as a baby or as a young person. What relevance, what significance, what matter does baptism have for me in my life today? And it's easy to treat baptism with this blasé attitude. If not formally, then at least functionally, right? We may believe and we might say, yes, baptism's important, but we're not sure why. 
And we're not sure what, why it's important for me today. Why it's important to reflect on our baptism and the practice of our Christian faith. And so in the next few minutes, I want to encourage you of the best way to remember our baptism and the best way to understand its significance in our lives. Because the best way to remember our baptism is to remember the baptism of Jesus Christ. To understand the significance and relevance of our own baptism, we must look to the baptism of our Lord and Savior. And hopefully, I will show what relevance this has to us in our lives, and especially today on this Palm Sunday. And so we're going to look at three things. One, the nature of Jesus' baptism. Two, the object of Jesus' baptism. And three, the implications of Jesus' baptism. The nature, object, and implications of Jesus' baptism. First, let's consider the nature of Jesus' baptism. Take a look at verse 4 if you have your Bibles open. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of what? Of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist baptized a baptism of repentance. And repentance is something that sinners do. Sinners repent. Because repentance is the act of turning away from the wretchedness of sin and turning towards the holiness of God. But if John the Baptist is performing a baptism of repentance for sinners, then what is Jesus doing there? What is Jesus doing there getting baptized by John? If Jesus is the sinless Son of God, why is he receiving a baptism of repentance? Why is he receiving a baptism for sinners? John, the Baptist, he even echoes this sentiment. In Matthew 3, he says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So even John the Baptist is confused. But there are two considerations we need to make in order to answer this question of why Jesus, the sinless Son of God, is receiving a sinner's baptism. First, baptism is a sign and a seal. You see, Jesus, in his life, he performed miracles. And he says that these miracles are signs of the kingdom of God. The signs themselves are not the kingdom of God, but they point to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of glory that is coming. If you're driving down here from the turnpike and you see exit 9, that big green sign, you don't say, okay, the gr big green sign is where I need to be. That's East Brunswick. No, you understand that the exit 9 sign is not East Brunswick itself, but it's pointing to where you need to be to get to East Brunswick. Likewise, baptism is a sign. It's an important sign, but it is not the thing that it signifies. Baptism is a sign that signifies something else. It points to something else. All right, So that's the first thing. Baptism is a sign. Second, John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River. And the text tells us that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in that river, confessing their sins. Sinners from all over the countryside and all in Jerusalem were coming to be baptized. And in effect... As, their sins were as they were being washed in the river of Jordan, their sins were symbolically and sacramentally being washed into the river. And so, here comes Jesus, and he receives the baptism of repentance. And it is not that Jesus has sinned and needs to repent. 
but rather it is Jesus who is entering into the waters of his people's repentance. He comes under the water of the River Jordan, the same water that holds symbolically and sacramentally the sins of all the people of the promised land. They're being washed in the River Jordan and all their sins are just floating in the water. And Jesus enters in and he is washed in the waters of sin. Jesus is washed in the waters of judgment. He is washed in the waters of death. And yes, Jesus, and yet, Jesus' baptism is not the thing signified, but it points to the thing signified. It's just a sign. And so, here we consider the object of Jesus' baptism, point two. Jesus' baptism is a sign that points both to the past and to the future. With regard to the past, you think about the waters of judgment. What does your mind go to? Probably it should go to the flood of Noah. And we remember the story of the great flood in which God sent as judgment upon the earth because of the wickedness and unrighteousness of men. God sent a flood, a cleansing flood. But after the flood, after he had washed away all manner of sin and unrighteousness and unrepentantness and un all sorts of wickedness, God makes a covenant with Noah, makes a promise with Noah. When God says this, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The waters of judgment will never again destroy mankind. Instead, the waters of judgment will come and be poured out upon the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus' baptism points to that past when God makes a covenant with his people, my waters will never destroy you, but instead, it will destroy my son. And that Jesus' baptism also points to the future in which he will not only experience the sign of baptism, but he will experience the full outpouring of true baptism. Because Jesus' true baptism, the thing that his baptism pointed to as Jesus was being washed in the waters of sin, it begins today on Palm Sunday. When he enters into Jerusalem to an ocean of praise, and the sea of praise and worship covers him, and he enters into his people. He walks into a sea of his people, and they shower him with worship and honor. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And he is washed with this praise. Jesus, indeed, is the king. He is the only one who can conquer the enemies that threaten the lives and well-being of his people, but unbeknownst to those shouting, his praise on Palm Sunday. Jesus will not conquer by the sword. He will conquer by being conquered. Jesus will achieve victory, but he will achieve it by first experiencing incredible loss through death on a cross. Indeed, Jesus' true baptism is consummated on Good Friday when the waters of God's judgment are poured out upon him in fullness so that Jesus himself says, it is finished. Upon the cross, Jesus bears the full burden of the sin of all his people. 
a burden to which his baptism in the Jordan could only point. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Indeed, this is the true baptism of Jesus Christ. The true baptism of Christ is the gospel of Christ. It is the good news that he has for you and for me. That Jesus would be overcome by our sin. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would overcome the power of death. And that those who put their trust in him, and those who put their faith in this resurrected king, the one who not only took upon our sin, but overcame that sin, those who put their trust in him and the power of his death and resurrection, they would be saved. And so finally, we come to the implications of Jesus' baptism. If we understand Jesus' baptism and its purpose and its function and what it pointed to, then it gives power to our own baptism. Because first, we've been baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection. By being baptized, we share in Jesus' true baptism. In Romans 6.4, Paul says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. You see, we are not baptized in order to be clean, as if the tap water in the back has some healing and cleansing property. It does not. We do not get baptized to be clean. No, we are baptized because we are clean. We, be, we are baptized because, sin, because Christ has taken upon the baptism of judgment in our place. We are dead, therefore, not in our sin, but to our sin. We are not dead in our trespasses anymore, but we are dead to our trespasses because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are dead to our sin. And if that is the case, we are called to live in accordance with our identity as one who is baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We must not live as slaves to sin any longer, because we are not slaves to sin any longer. Sin has no hold on us. Rather, it is the name of God that has been placed upon us through baptism. The beauty of the sacraments is that we get to witness the sign of God and sign of salvation. And you will see uh, Pastor Cho place, uh, sprinkle our Baptist, uh, baptism candidates and he'll say, I baptize you, how? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. God's name is on us. God's name has been placed upon us through baptism. And if that is the case, then it is unto that name we must live. We do not live for Joseph's sake or Owen's sake or Ellen's sake or anybody's sake. We live for the sake of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do not do good things in order to be made lovable. But rather, we do good things. We do good works. We pursue righteousness. We pursue holiness because we have been loved. And we are loved beyond compare. 
We do not do good things to be loved. We are loved, and therefore we live for Christ. Secondly, we have been baptized into the covenant family of God's people. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Baptism is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter where we've come from or who we are, what our past is like. Uh, we are baptized in the same water, in the same name, for the same purpose. Those who were far off are now brought near. Those who were rejected are now accepted. Those who are unknown are now known by God. Not only that, but we are baptized into the sonship of God. And just as a voice came from heaven and spoke to Jesus, and he said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. When we are joined in baptism to Christ, that is the same voice that speaks to us. Do you know that? If you are baptized with Christ, the voice of God speaks to you. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Not because of something you've done, not because you're so lovable, but because by baptism you are united to Christ. You know, we baptize babies for many reasons. And if you have a theological problem with that, you can talk to me after. <laughs> we baptize babies for many reasons, but one reason that we baptize babies, infants, is that babies cannot baptize themselves. They cannot choose to walk down this aisle and say, I want to get baptized. No, the baby is helpless, crying in the back over there. And it's something they cannot do. No matter how much they need it, they simply cannot get baptized on their own. But it is something that is done to them. Likewise, our inheritance in the kingdom of God, our status as sons and daughters of the Most High, is not something that we can acquire by our own strength or effort, but it is entirely the work and accomplishment of God that brings us into the riches of the kingdom of God. And so I pray, as we conclude, that you would remember your baptism. Consider it and remember the power that it has in your life. After all, it is a sign. It's a sign that points to your status as a beloved son and daughter of God. Jesus was washed in the waters of God's judgment so that you and I would be washed in the waters of salvation. We are dead no longer, but alive because of the baptism of Christ. We are slaves no longer, but free because of the baptism of Christ. We are orphans no longer, but heirs to the inheritance of the glory of the kingdom of God because of the baptism of Jesus Thanks be to God on this Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord for our sake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you would baptize your son. And unlike our baptism, his baptism was a baptism of judgment, of wrath, of justice for our sake, on our behalf, so that we can call you Father. And that your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be placed upon us in baptism. So Lord, would you help us to pursue holiness and pursue righteousness, not because it will make us any more lovable, but because it is a sign of the love of Christ in us. Father, thank you so much for the sign of uh, baptism and also with the confirmations that will take place today. Thank you for the Lord's Supper that we will partake in today as well. All of these things are just a sign and testament to your goodness and graciousness towards us, people who do not deserve it. 
and yet you poured over us so abundantly. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.